Welcome to episode 10 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. That is the sweet sound of our little hiking stove heating up some water. Uh, We're just at the base of a mountain at the moment and it is uh, about 20 minutes to midnight. Craig, I'm going to call this episode Make Adversity Your Friend. But I don't want you to worry because you're still my friend and I still need you to play that music, mate. G'day guys, how you doing? Um, Craig, how are you mate? Yeah, good man, good. Excellent. We made it to double digits. Episode ten. Yes. I'm pretty. Um, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going well. Uh, mate, I'll just knock off the sponsors real quick. There's a little bit of news here and there, but I'll I'll go through that. Actually, there's there's something here that you don't even know. So, listen up, Craig. Don't you go tending to your pot there and not listening to this important information from our sponsors okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay this uh, podcast sponsored by topo maps plus uh, they it's a uh, it's an app uh, that you can run on your phone you hear that boiling water we're out in nature this is fantastic uh, it's an app that you run on your phone and you can keep all your trails on there. It tells you, well, basically it tells you all the information you need to know about your trails and you can record them. Uh, I'm not really doing it much justice, but I have been using this more and more. And every time I use it, I've, I know I've said this before, Craig, but I just keep discovering more features, which is pretty cool. Um, our next sponsor is caribbee.com suppliers of adventure gear and packs and all sorts of other cool stuff. Bluey Merino, suppliers of our delightful Merino garments. Hey, I've got some news on Bluey, Craig. Yeah. Do you remember uh, Lex Paso, at least that's her Instagram name, gave a shout out to her, I think it was two episodes ago. Right. Yeah. Because she binge listened to all our all podcasts. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, and great. I called her a skier. <laughs> I, do remember well, I that. did pay for that. She did get straight on and said she was gutted that I, on Instagram, that I referred to her as a skier because she is, in fact, a snowboarder. Right. Well, Blue Merino have just made her an ambassador. How cool is that? So she's one of us. Unreal, man. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, for sure. I just found out this week. And she's off to Japan next week. Um, oh, cool. I would, uh, to snowboard, I'm assuming she's competing. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's Check good. out um, her profile. She's always up in the mountains and uh, getting amongst the snow. Uh, I'll skip now to Rios Gear. Uh, they supply us with floating polarized sunglasses. I just realised, Craig, uh, I have a brand new pair of sunglasses sitting on my table at home I was going to bring you tonight. Oh. <laughs> so apologies for that. 
But the really good news for everyone else is out there is that we're going to run our first Rios gear uh, competition. Oh. I have also been sent a few spares. Okay. Uh, now the idea is that um, I'd be giving those to some of our lucky listeners of this podcast. So if you have skipped past all the boring sponsor stuff, you're never going to have this opportunity. What I was thinking, Craig, was that if you follow us on Instagram, jump on and follow Rios Gear as well, uh, or on Facebook. You'll need to do, do both of those things. And then I want you to post on Instagram or Facebook and tag us and Rios Gear and just tell us why you think you need these floating polarized sunglasses you get bonus points if it's got a cool pick right okay so i'm not telling you what to do but maybe you're at a lake or something and that's where you intend on using your amazing sunglasses if you win the competition (laughs) yep uh so bonus points for a cool pick and super duper bonus points if you can name the segment in which I talk about the books I read, because believe it or not, I'm still reading books, Craig. In fact, I'm going absolutely crazy. I've got a pile of nine books there to get through. Really? Uh, I read another two since we last spoke. And... It takes the pressure off me then, really, it does. To come up with that title for that segment, you mean? Or the pressure off you to read. (laughs) To read. Oh, right, yeah, good. Well, both, really. Yeah. Let's face it. So if you, because I'm pretty much, the rate I'm reading at the moment, I'm going to be mentioning the books I read um, okay. pretty much every episode, I reckon. Yeah. So if someone can come up with a name for that segment, better than um, Books with Tom that I've written down there, <laughs> which I'd probably kind of whisper or something, Books with Tom, <laughs> just to officially make an intro. <laughs> I'm getting off topic. Uh, please do that. Win some <laughs> Uh, there's a few different styles there, so what I'll do is, um, depending on who wins it, I'll give you um, first dibs on, on whatever's there. You can choose what style you want. So, yeah, jump on and do that. Please, they are awesome sunnies. Uh, I absolutely love them. Next, Craig, what, what are you doing there? What is that? Sorry, You're mate. Cooking. No, it's, don't be sorry. It's just had to pick up speed again. Tell me oh, what, what am I doing? It's called... Um... <laughs> oh, yeah. Shinramyun. Shinran. Noodle soup. I almost said something bad then. Shinramyun. Shinramyun. Noodle soup. It smells good. It's almost you, done. You're like the opposite of this guy mm. I used to hike with who never used to eat um, porridge and he never used to eat noodles. Do you remember that guy? What's that mean? <laughs> 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 I am the opposite now. You were mad for it. I was, I was hoping I brought the chilli ones. I don't think I did. Oh, actually, it does say spicy here. They'll be spicy. Uh, They'll be spicy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they're the ones I usually bring, so... I reckon shin ramyun means um, fire <laughs> breath or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to hurt, eh? Uh, so, Craig, tell us what you've been up to, mate. That is... Oh, mm. no. Can I please just... There's two things I wanted to apologise for. One was for calling Alex Parsons, Lex Parso, 
a skier, which I've already done. Sorry, mm-hmm. Alex. Yep. Um, and two was I made a really uh, bad um, joke about waterfalls, chasing waterfalls in an epi- two episodes ago. Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, what made the joke even worse is I said um, yeah. it was TLC. Yep. I did my research. Um, no, you said... And it's... It's, um, you said it was Destiny's Child. No, I said it's Destiny's Child. It's actually TLC. Yeah. So for all those Destiny Child, Destiny's Child or T- TLC fans out there that I offended, I'm really sorry. I'm sure that's the caliber of people that listen to this show. You would have offended a lot of people. I think a lot. Uh, we had a good camping trip, didn't we, mate? Oh, yeah. That was epic. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah. I was telling someone about that the other day. We took our all our boys out, right. Craig and I, and um, just to a to a campground about an hour away and just stayed one night. But it was just a beautiful night. And I was telling someone about when we were sitting around the campfire and I felt something crawling up <laughs> my pants. That's right. So I only had a pair of thongs on. Thongs in Australia means sandals mm-hmm. not, not underwear just to be clear uh i had long pants on and a pair of sandals and i felt something kind of scratchy going up just past my ankle and i was just talking to craig just we were just sitting around the campfire and i just instinctively just put my hand down and kind of flicked something off grabbed something i felt something and i just threw it on the ground and then i said to craig oh that was a bit um creepy and so I flicked my head torch on and looked down and there was a scorpion yep. there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'd literally had a scorpion going up my pants. Yep. And uh, I'm just glad that when I grabbed him, he just didn't get a chance to just hit me on the finger or on the leg. I don't know how I did it. I must have caught him off guard. But, um, yeah, that was a bit of a highlight. Yeah, made your night, didn't it? Well, it was the highlight after seeing Australia's most deadly snake the second we pulled up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, I'm just having a sip of coffee. Oh, I just dropped my pen into the wilderness. We're sitting at the base of a beautiful mountain called uh, Mount Biwa. It's absolutely spectacular. Yeah. As I said, it's getting on to uh, just before midnight now. Oh, a couple of drops of rain too. Oh yeah, that's really going to affect the podcast. I yeah. have a, a book made of paper that I read from. I was just saying it's not going to happen, and it's happening. Uh, it is what it is. We're talking about adversity today, so bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> It'd be much more authentic if we're crying in the rain and complaining. <laughs> yep. Hey, uh, do you know what I did the other day, Craig? You'll be impressed. What's going on? I went on a trail run and I did um, 9.1 kilometres. Oh, right. It's the longest I've ever run. It's 5.6 miles. Uh, yeah, it's the furthest I've ever run in one in one go. That's good. Yeah, it's almost double what I've what I've done before that. Okay. I. Um, Where were you? Uh, just, you know, the end of my street, there's that nature reserve. Mm. There's a big loop through it, and I just went through that. It was 
8 o'clock at night, I had my head torch on. Really? Oh, yeah, those creepy things everywhere. <laughs> I was running along at one point, and I looked ahead of me, and I saw two sets of um, bright red eyes staring back at me. And I thought, oh, no. I, they were so close together, I thought it was um, a python or something on the track. Mm. And then they moved really quickly, and I thought, oh, <laughs> what's going on? As I got closer, um, it was two possums just running around on the ground and then they scurried up the tree. But um, cool. I ran through about 50,000 spider's webs yep. and jumped over about 100 toads. So that slowed me down a bit, but I was really happy with that. I had, um, I just went out there just in a pair of shorts, just a pair of shorts and a head torch. <laughs> just <laughs> ran into the wilderness. You're looking for it. Oh, no, I wore shoes. I did wear shoes. I wore my um, Salomons, which went fantastically. Yeah, good. Uh, I thought you'd like to know that. I thought you'd be proud of me. Wait, that's good. No, that's really a big run for you. Yeah, it is I'm big. Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to 10Ks, which will be, what, uh, six miles, six point something miles. That's my goal. You're close, man. That's easy for you. Oh, I'm real yeah. close now. I just didn't work my, uh, I just didn't really know how long the trail was, so I, I didn't really uh, estimate it quite hmm. as accurately it's it's weird then if we just pause and say you used to um n never do any sort of uh long distance running like that and then i remember you thinking that it's a different sort like cardio is not so important on the trail i remember you said a few comments about that or was it oh no was it rob I, back in the day no or? no i still feel i still feel that um i guess the reason i'm running longer distances now is not not it's not really trail. anything to do with nah. hiking. It's just because yeah. actually, I'm actually finding it enjoyable. And I blame Tanya for that a guest we had on two episodes ago. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't um, it? I had, prior to that, I had done one trail run that I told you about in that national park. And uh, I don't know, I really just, I really just felt like um, I was breathing in so much fresh air. I just had so much more in the tank. And so mm -hmm. after talking to her, she kind of um, got me all excited about it. So I started doing it. I've done another couple of runs since then and that being my longest. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to keep it up. But yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't really consider that. I consider it a fantastic way to keep fit and make a good foundation for fitness. But sure. it's not the same as, as punching up a a big slope for 45 minutes that's with a right. 25 kilo pack I think yeah I think we used um, to sort of comment about you know treadmilling and then coming out here is like totally different you know what I mean yeah yeah if you were going <coughs> to train on a piece of equipment for here it would be something more like um, those crazy stair masters have you seen those I think they're mm. called mountain climbers or something have you seen those they're basically these steps come down towards you on this machine and you're just constantly walking up these steps. Really? Yeah, it's brutal. And you can use your hands as well if you want. You're basically climbing up a wall that's that's almost vertical. Really? Yeah. Um, no, no, the longest I've ever done is 21. Is that right? That's a half marathon. Mm. Jeez, that's a long way. Yeah. Do you remember what time you did that in? Mm, not 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 fast. I didn't stop. But I didn't. wasn't fast. It was like two hours and ten. What's that? Um, would it have been or two hours? I can't remember to be honest. Two I'm hours guessing. would be. 
six minute Ks, which is really good over over that time. Well, I was doing the 10 Ks in well under like 50, but then the- The, the second 10. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's cool. But that's, that's a few years ago. I've stopped um, with my ankle. I haven't been able to do that for a while. But yeah, no, it's good to hear, mate. Mm. The uh, next thing I wanted to mention was by the time uh, you guys are hearing this podcast, um, we'll have actually already, Craig and I will have actually already attended the premiere of a documentary that I produced and shot um, about a year and a half ago. Uh, by now you would have seen probably posts on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in a nutshell, it's uh, I've followed uh, seven leukemia survivors for six days across the wilderness in uh, Tasmania, Australia. Um, they hiked through through these mountains, and uh, I was lucky enough to document that journey and then turn it into a short film and. That's playing on Tuesday night, so I'm pretty excited about it. Craig helped me a lot with um, with the audio and with recording voiceovers and stuff in his studio. So he's very much a part of it. Can't um, wait to see it, mate. Can't yeah, wait. yeah. The uh, the very cruel trick I played on Craig was to help me record all of the voiceover, help me balance all of the audio, but never actually show him the film. He's not. He's not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm absolutely not. Yeah. Same with the voiceover artist. Yeah, can, said, you... can I see the film with and I said you can wait till you see it on the big screen. Yeah. Can you master this audio? And I <laughs> had to um Yeah, just imagine what it looked like. Yeah. Um I'm really looking forward to you seeing it. Uh I hope it's it's anything like what you anticipate it to be. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's a pretty big thing. Uh, look, it's not directly a, um, it's not directly anything to do with hike or die, but it is something that that Craig and I have worked on uh, in the background. And I think it's of interest to to anybody with that does the sorts of stuff that we do, and probably you guys. Next, oh sorry, did you have anything to add on? Anything to add on to that? Uh, Shin Ramyun means chili rocket. <laughs> oh, chili rocket. Oh, right, I got it wrong. I thought it was fire breath, so it's chili rocket, so you can't talk at the moment. <laughs> I'll just keep on trucking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I wondered why you went quiet. You kind of made some um, grunting noise, and I thought you wanted to say something. No, thanks. Uh, okay, then I'm going to talk about... So, somebody reviewed our podcast... Uh, their Instagram name is Just Up The Trail. I think that's the their website name as well. And it's funny. It's funny, Craig, because, look, I'm grateful. I'm super grateful. Thank, thanks very much for doing that um, review. It, it, was, um, it was good, thankfully, as in um, th- this person enjoyed it. But you know what everyone says... It's just a recurring thing. Everyone talks about that, um, the intro song, and how <laughs> how he's basically said he was mowing the lawn and the intro song came on and he skipped because he thought I don't want to 
listen to some crass Australians, you know, probably swearing and... <coughs> yobos. Yeah, just yobos is, is a term that maybe um, people overseas aren't familiar with, but it, it's kind of the equivalent of a redneck um, in the States, I guess. It, it's in that. It's in that realm. Anyway, I, I felt, I was thinking about it today, leading up to this podcast, and I thought, you and I, Craig, people don't know this, but Craig and I actually wrote that theme tune, so that's actually me, <laughs> like, playing the, dr- playing the drums. So it is your way. And um, it's actually Craig playing the guitar. We actually <laughs> wrote that music. But, and I'm not saying that to defend us, but what I'm saying is, do you remember when I described what I wanted to do, so you said, so what sort of music do you think we should have as the intro? And I, do you remember what I said to you? Oh, I remember, I remember you going, do, 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 like that, yeah, yeah, to yeah. sort of point it out, but then. What I, what I remember saying was, I want it to be some nasty <laughs> 80s Yeah, rock. that's right, yeah, like a glammy thing. A joke. It was like, like a full, yeah. Like joke. glam rock sort of, it, as a joke, I want to do this. And Craig and I wrote it and we were laughing while we were writing it. We were laughing after we wrote it. We were laughing when we put it on the the first video on YouTube and then when we use it on the podcast. Like we, I think I played more lead guitar in that than I played in any band I've ever been in. <laughs> we basically, the whole thing was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> gag but I, just so many people are saying oh didn't know what to think after i heard that <laughs> wow people are just maybe we should put some lounge music at the start i'm thinking that we should just have um kind of birds tweeting and and um the sound of some chimes and then some crystals Oh, that would be nice. And uh, some rainforest sounds, and then some flutes. Yeah, Yeah, right. That sort of thing. And maybe we'll get more listeners. We'll see. If you've got any suggestions on music, give us a a yell. But hey, I just want to jump back to Just Up The Trail. Uh, Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to... uh, to review us thanks for being honest and uh thanks for to continue to support us Very yeah shout out to him i actually started following him he's got you know heaps of stuff he's doing with his kids good on him I absolutely yeah you're right the coolest he, thing I've and, seen the, and the blog's got um for want of a better word the website has tons of articles on it that he's constantly um putting on articles about the outdoors so mm. um, no, he's do, really into it. do check it out and um read the article and and you'll have a bit of a laugh, especially the first part. <laughs> um, I think also he enjoyed listening to how much trouble we get ourselves into from memory. <laughs> Sorry, I've just got to sip my coffee. Mm. Oh, it is a nice night out here tonight. Yeah, it's good. It's time for shout-outs, mate. And... We have a follower on YouTube and Instagram, a very recent follower. Um, The name's Jodes Harrison. I'm not sure. I've said this before. It's so hard to know what people's real names are. 
um, J-O-D-Z Harrison. And he's dropped us a couple of uh, messages on um, YouTube. Uh, just saying how much he's, he's he's stumbled across the podcast. He's really enjoying it. So thanks so much, mate, for following us on, on both of those. We really appreciate it. Cool. The other one, here's a good one, Craig, and it's fitting for this episode. Jimmy Zer mm. sent us a Facebook message, a direct message on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I kept it. Let me just grab my phone. How's your noodles going anyway? Ah, really good. Well, I'm happy to hear that and I know. Our listeners will be too. Where is his? Oh, here we go. Uh, I just found you guys on Spotify. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I instantly became addicted and binged for three days. I love how you guys record podcasts when you're out on an adventure and share some footage and pictures of what you see. Um, Then he's gone on to say... I thought you might like to see what I'm looking at while I'm listening to your podcast. Oh, that's cool. So he sent this, I know you can't really see it there, but he sent this photo of this awesome kind of sunset and uh, there's mountains there, but you you can't see it in the screenshot I've got here, Craig. And uh, yeah, I just thought it it was funny because he was listening to our podcast of us in yeah. the wilderness, in the wilderness, sitting, I think it was on his balcony, looking at the wilderness. All oh, right. So, but uh, yeah, awesome. Thanks, Jimmy. Also, it made me laugh. That one was good. Cool. And uh, thanks for your support, matey. Whoa, Craig. This brings us to. Let me check my notes. It's mm. definitely. Oh, this brings us to books with Tom. See, we can do so much better than that. We could make up a theme song. We could song. make a theme song. <laughs> Books with Tom. <laughs> I think that's it. Oh my goodness, if I could just find the flute sound right now on my phone, I'd play it. <clears throat> okay, dude, listen to this. I read my first ever David Attenborough um, Oh, really? Book. Yeah, yeah, it's called... It was called Adventures of a Young Naturalist. He is... I, I just didn't know anything about David Attenborough. Well, I'd like to read that one. Oh, mate. You, can you might get... No dramas at you all. You might get me reading. That'd be good. It's, um... I guess I realised how much I didn't know. I didn't know how he got into what he did. He was a sound recorder, right? Well, n- yes. Yes and no. Uh, absolutely, he did that. But without bastardizing the, the truth or anything I'll, I'll just kind of give you a quick synopsis he basically uh, there was a show and before you could record TV yeah every all TV shows were live so there was a show at the London Zoo where every week it would come on and this guy would bring on all these animals and he'd talk about the animals and sometimes they'd escape and it'd be crazy or they'd bite him it was, it was a pretty kind of kooky show mm. and david attenborough worked at the zoo so he would help um in the background of the show get the next animals ready and all this sort of stuff now this guy um fell ill and the operator of the zoo said well i'm not paying for some real talent 
David, you know all about the animals. Get up and start talking about them. And so he basically just shoved David Attenborough in front of the camera to do this show. Cool. Then uh, the other guy recovered and came back on and continued the show. They then um, went to South America, I believe was the first place they went. And they go on these expeditions all around the world to collect animals to take them back to the London Zoo for two reasons, because it sounds bad and, and I think to a certain extent back in those days it kind of was, but yes, to show people what amazing animals live on the planet, but also they had this theory that they could kind of have and build an ark of sorts so they could have um, breeding pairs of everything in, in London just to oh. kind of try and preserve nature a little. Mm -hmm. But uh, they went to South America and then this, this guy fell ill again and they had to record, uh, they were recording documentaries by this stage, and so he'd have to jump in front of the camera. Then this guy flew back to the UK, and he died, he passed away from whatever the sickness was, and that was it. They basically just said, well, David, you've just got to keep running the show. Oh, so right. he just went from a helper, and as you say, a sound recordist, to all of a sudden he's uh, photographer, he's recording the sound and he's presenting and absolute, the magnitude of the absolute crazy places they went, the things that they did, the animals that they were chasing, the, the interactions with um, the, um, the Indians in the, um, the Amazon forest, like all of these um, crazy tribes they were meeting. Uh, the way they would travel up and down rivers in canoes. Um, oh, it's just an incredible book. And it's it's really like his diary from those years mm -hmm. um, with a bunch of photographs as well. But uh, I, it's just a fantastic book. If you like anything about nature and animals and stuff, I suggest you check it out. Yeah, I listened to an interview with one of the sound recorders that worked for him. Oh, right. They were giving him cred because in some ways he had a background in that. And they were, oh man, they've, Put, set up microphones when they captured like herds of elephants actually sleeping and snoring and just the sound of it's amazing you know what I mean yeah right so yeah you've just got to take your hats off to these people that yeah you, know, you most definitely really make it happen yeah you're correct and you got to also um, consider that right now we've our recording units um you know it's like half the size of a mobile phone but um he was talking about the unit he was taking and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was as big as, um, what would you say, like two loaves of bread kind of thing. Yeah, big ones. This massive thing he had to carry around in the jungle and pull it apart and fix it when it wouldn't work. Oh, uh, that was one. Yeah, like he had to run this big lead out and they put a microphone inside, I think a couple of microphones inside the carcass of like a, a, um, like a zebra while the hyenas came and ate it. Oh, wow. And just amazing sounds. And you know, just to get that right, I guess, would be pretty tricky and to also watch your back the whole time. Yeah, yeah, they certainly had a lot of... Oh, pretty dangerous. A lot of instances. They were chasing Komodo dragons mm. as well and uh, just all sorts of things. A lot of... He's a really funny guy too. Like a oh, lot yeah. of the way he describes things, uh, he was talking about... Um, sleeping in hammocks, they were both fighting over the hammocks the f when they first bought them and they got to the first place and they strung them up 
uh, in between these poles that were too close and they basically slept like bananas and the yeah. next day he said he could hardly move and, <laughs> and I was trying to give the hammocks away to someone else. But uh, it's really cool the way that he describes stuff. Uh, now the other book I read, Craig, was um, it's called What Doesn't Kill Us by a guy called Scott Carney. Oh, yeah. This is really, this dovetails perfectly into this episode. Sounds like it, yeah. Because he is a guy, he's basically a reporter who's made most of his career on finding gurus around the world that are claiming to heal people in various different ways. And he'll travel across the world. He'll get sponsored by the magazine or whatever paper he's writing for. Um, he used to write a lot of articles for, I think, um, Playboy. Was Playboy or Penthouse magazine? One of those, anyway. And so he'd um, he'd go around the world, interview these people, and he'd basically just discover that they're a sham, and just come back and just pretty much destroy them in uh, in his articles. But he'd have cool photos, obviously, and and a good a good story to tell anyway. So we heard about this guy called Wim Hof, who I think I might have mentioned to you before. Um, he, to really uh, kind of sum it up, he has a a breathing system which he uses uh, to oxygenate the body, similar to hyperventilating, and. He also exposes himself to extreme cold, um, like ice baths, and uh, he, he's got the record, world record for longest swim under ice, which I think is, uh, it's either 50 or 70 metres. So there's a hole in the ice, and then 50 metres away oh, there's another hole in the ice, and he goes under water yeah. and swims. That's insane. It is insane. And the first time he did it on the practice run, mm. he, um, the corneas of his eyes froze because he, no. and then he couldn't see, and he couldn't see where the hole was. No. And a diver jumped in and grabbed him just in time and dragged him out. But then, then wow. he did the second run. I think he might have, he either kept his eyes closed or he had goggles, I can't remember, but, uh, He's an absolute freak, and he's uh, also holds world record for. Um, he can stay submerged in ice bath for over two hours or something. Is that that guy you tell me about? And then you kind of you were saying how it was while well, you were taking cold showers and stuff. That's exactly why I was doing. It. I was when I was training to go to for the documentary that yep. we just discussed. I knew that I'd have to be, it was a real run and gun style shoot where I'd have to hike ahead of the crew, set up, take a shot, let him go past, take a shot, pack up my gear, run past him. I knew there was a chance of really bad weather. I knew there was a chance of snow, rain and everything in between. And I thought um, the last thing I want is to be standing there shivering or being affected by the cold yeah uh, when I say affected I mean not functioning mentally so it's hard enough to use camera gear and move at that pace and hike at the same time you add that extra element of getting blasted in the face by um, 
Probably by the cold wind. By cold wind or <laughs> rain or something like that. And uh, it, it's obviously going to affect how you function and concentrate on the task at hand. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely correct. This, this is a guy that I kind of got into, but this is the first time I actually read a book about him. And so this Scott Carney guy mm -hmm. hears about him, travels over to Poland where he's got this school set up and he uh, takes people in and basically trains them in this system. And he said to Scott, look, I don't mind. I know all about you, I know what you do, but I don't mind as long as you give it a good shot and you actually do what I ask and try, then you can say whatever you want about me. And within um, within eight days, he, he absolutely hated the cold. And within eight days, he was, um, you know, walking around in board shorts in the snow in Poland and um, sitting in ice baths for seven minutes and stuff. Just ridiculous, yeah. like the tolerance <laughs> level. They ended up climbing, uh, it's a little bit of a spoiler really, but it's not so much because he mentions it in the, literally in the first couple of pages of the book, that they climb um, Mount Kilimanjaro in um, uh, board shorts and t-shirts wow. and boots. Uh, now, that's not the craziest part. The craziest part is when you're um, attempting a summit of that, what you'll normally do is you'll have multiple camps along the way in which you'll move up to a higher elevation. You'll acclimatize for a couple of days. Sometimes you actually go back down yeah. and then go back up again and then go to the next one and then come down and then rest and you might take several you might take a week to to get to a peak like that well they did it um they did it non-stop without acclimatizing um, in the theory that with this breathing technique you'd oxygenate the body so much on the journey that you'd not only keep your furnace going mm. but you wouldn't need to acclimatize and um, people were just freaking out, saying they were going to die. But um, they made it, right, to their credit. And uh, it's just a spectacular story. Really good book. Cool. And what I also like about it, because you can sit there right now, listen to this podcast, and think, oh, it, it just sounds like uh, all freaky stuff. But they've actually... Um, scientists have now actually studied his body. And the first thing they thought was he was an anomaly. Because they were putting um, electrodes, or I guess, for want of a better word, on his skin, and he was in the ice bath, and his skin in core temperature was not was not decreasing. Whereas a normal person, as soon as they jump in the ice bath, their actual physical skin, mm -hmm. the temperature goes down. So they actually said to him, "You're an anomaly." So, yes, you can do it, but but you're an anomaly. And he said, "Okay, so if I'm an anomaly, it means that I can't." train other people to do it and they said exactly so he said you pick um you pick 15 people and i'll train them for a week and then pick another 15 people and we won't train them at all and they can all go through this so as a test group so he spent i think eight days with this team of 15 people and then they when they all did the tests they performed yeah, the same as him. Yeah, right. Not to the level of him because he's had, you know, he can, he's been training like this for years. But it was proven that it's scientifically uh, viable that you can actually manipulate your 
your core temperature through this breathing. So uh, <coughs> I know I went into a bit of depth there. I wonder the, if he still gets like a brain freeze when he has a slurpy, slurpy or something. <laughs> I think that the um, I think that the slurpy just melts. <laughs> where it looks at him. <laughs> it runs away from him. <laughs> Sounds cool. Mm. Look, I know I went in into a bit of depth there, but one, the book's awesome, and two, it just fits perfectly into um, this episode where we, we're going to be talking a lot about it, adversity. Yeah. Uh, if you are new, or if you are not new to this podcast, and you want to look up any of the things I'm just rattling off here, anything about our sponsors or the books I talk about or the um, shout-outs I'm giving, jump on to hikeordie.com, go to the podcast page, find the episode that you want to uh, find out more information about, and I'll pretty much usually always have all of the... Um, that didn't sound very convincing, did Mate, I? Well, sometimes, maybe, sometimes, <laughs> once in a blue moon. Well, look... <laughs> as much info on there as I can. I'll just take a moment to shout out to you about it, Tom, mate. Those um, those notes are awesome. Oh, buddy. thanks, matey. They're really yeah. good. I um, took a moment to have a look the other day, and I can't believe how much detail you put into it. Well done. Yeah, no, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I just I just know what it's like when you're listening to it, or you're watching TV, or listening to a podcast, and someone talks about a book, and then mm. you think, well. I'm never going to remember that, and you've got to scroll back through the podcast or something. So, yeah, that, that's what no. it's for. It's a resource for you guys. Heaps to... of info there for sure. It's cool. Cool. Thanks, mate. You've heard it from Craig. Check it out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Craig, stand for approval. All right, Craig. The I want to start by <clears throat> saying that I looked up the definition of adversity and it quite simply said uh, a difficult or unpleasant situation Uh, it had synonyms like misfortune ill luck bad luck trouble difficulty and that's where I kind of thought well some of those things are similar but not the same when they when they had uh, things like hardship and distress Mm. and suffering then I kind of thought yeah that that's when I think of adversity I kind of think of that but I think it's important to define what what adversity is because in my opinion adversity is in the eye of the beholder mm. <coughs> one person's adversity is is so far different from the next person's mm-hmm. that it's really hard to quantify uh, what what's going to make one person perform better and what's going to make the next person perform better. Yeah. It, is it good to have adversity in your life? Well, yes, because we can't avoid it. It's in our daily life. It's in our life every single day in really small increments. But I guess what we're trying to do in this conversation is relate it back to our outdoor experiences and our, our trail experiences and stuff like that and yeah I guess put it in that sort of perspective so with the um, 
the first thing I kind of I was thinking about the other day and I thought I was obviously still thinking about this Wim Hof cold thing and I remembered that um, so I started doing that again just recently uh, about two two, nearly two months ago when was Melbourne Cup? (coughs) November second was it? Well, okay, so it's a month, November just 7. over a month. It's about five weeks ago. Uh, I have only had two hot showers in the last five weeks. Um, really? Yeah, and at the end of both of those showers, I flicked it to cold yeah. anyway for a couple of minutes. Mate, when you started doing that first time, I thought you were crazy, and now I still kind of do. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I can understand why people think that. I, I talk to people at work about it, and they just think, um, yeah, they just kind of nod and smile and then slowly back away. But uh, I, I'd encourage anybody to give it a shot. It, it is uncomfortable and painful. But so why do you do it? And that's uh, okay. what this podcast about, right? It's exactly right. And it's, so tell us a bit more about it then. Like, why do you why have you been doing that? This is just one. This is just one little <coughs> example. We'll get into a lot more. The way I see it is, hmm, think about when a, think about when a chef, okay, sorry, think about when you're cooking at home and you accidentally touch the the edge of your hand on a, a hot pan or something, right? Mm. And you kind of, you flick your hand back in your say a few words I'm not going to say on this podcast and you kind of and you oh jeez and you stick it on the tap or whatever and it's a real kind of like it, it, it shocks you think about a chef who's cooked for seven years you know seven six nights a week and I only know this because I used to work in that industry you have a look up their forearm mm, and yeah. they've just got burns all up their forearms when they get burned just pull away for a split second continue working so what so what's the difference between me and them the difference is almost like an acclimatization to it yeah and repetitive uh response and knowing that my body's telling me that i am in pain but i know that I'm not going to die, so I'm able to continue working and just kind of turn down that pain mm. enough to just get on with the job. You know what I mm. mean? Yeah. Well, that's kind of the best analogy I could think of. Um, because but, so, but so why do you choose to do that with the with the with the showers though? Oh, okay. Like which like why do you choose to burn yourself? You you wouldn't. No, no. You, you, well, the thing is, um, <clears throat> just to be clear, you can actually do heat training but it's a lot more risky because it's a lot more risky so if you were putting yourself in really really hot baths uh it's a lot more risky because you can overheat your body to a point where you you know you could get brain damage or whatever exposing yourself to cold uh in a controlled environment you can very quickly warm yourself up and you're safe so you can get benefits from uh, from heat exposure, but I guess his theory is it's just a lot easier for someone to turn off the hot tap and get that shock mm. and really kind of... Uh, now, 
I jumped in the shower this morning and uh, I, even five weeks ago I would jump in to the shower and, and it was on cold mm. and I would stand there for nearly a minute trying to like you know um, you see people when they go bungee jumping and they can't jump off well that's me <laughs> trying to get in the water right? and then I'd just force myself to stand under it and I'd make all sorts of noises and screaming and stuff and yeah. uh, this morning I just turned it on and I just walked straight into it just walked straight in shut the door and I'm in the shower and I still get that really cool kind of <gasps> Like that kind of yeah. couple of deep breaths, which is part of the part of the reason you do it is to like get that um, jolt. Why am I doing it now when I don't particularly have any event that I'm training for? Yeah. It, for want of a better explanation, I think that the that punishing yourself in that way is almost like um, setting the rest of the day up. You've just beaten, you've just beaten, mentally beaten something that is uncomfortable the first thing you did that day. Right. The rest of the day is a bit of a breeze, really. So I would fully understand that. So it gives you a sort of a confidence, a sort of an achievement, in yourself uh, builds a bit of a mental muscle that yeah you've 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 done that you've you've made that step in the morning and it's just a cornerstone sort of for your attitude for the day so if you can build on that it, it makes you feel good is that right yes it does and you know that term you just used then that was the muscle oh it's like yeah mental muscle mental muscle yeah it's 100% that like i'm definitely stronger now than I was at that particular thing five weeks ago but um, I'm back kind of where I'm actually probably in a better position than I was even when I was training up for that for the Tasmania hike yeah right Uh, but there's other things there's there's plenty of other things and I I don't want to get anything wrong here scientifically but exposing yourself to cold like that um, actually um increases the amount of it's called brown fat and it sounds bad but brown fat is this minuscule amount of fat within the body that can actually be used um, to burn and uh, as fuel to keep us warm because we live in a in an environment now where you could quite literally wake up in your apartment uh, with your air conditioning controlling the environment Put on your jacket, get into your air-conditioned car or get into the air-conditioned public transport, arrive at your office and walk into the air-conditioning mm-hmm. and then do the reverse. You, you could do that for seven days. Uh, I can't. I, I don't live like that. But you could do that for seven days or a hundred days in a row and, and your body doesn't need to burn fat to make fuel to keep your body warm because you're controlling everything. Mm. And uh, something that he says in this book, and I don't want to keep going back to this book. This podcast is not just about this book, but it, it's just an, it, it is quite an interesting thing, and it's something that I'm testing. And that 
one of his theories is that all of the diseases and the experience, the things that we're experiencing now, they've all predominantly started. Some of these things weren't here 50 or 100 years ago. They're all new things. And, and he believes the more that we uh, cotton wool ourselves, the more that our body will internally just try and destroy itself because we're not getting chased by lions and mm -hmm. tigers anymore. We're not having to deal with the cold. We don't ever have to get rained on. We don't ever have to be cold if we don't want to. We don't ever have to be hot if we don't want to. We never have to go without food. Mm -hmm. All of these things are adversity and all of these things make the human body the exceptional th machine that it is. Makes it work. Makes it work. It's done that for thousands of years. That's how we have survived. And within a short amount of time, we've created these creature comforts that have taken away any adversity whatsoever. I'll tell you this funny story. I would, I'd get off the train one station earlier because I had to change anyway. This was years ago. I had to change stations anyway, and it was actually worked out quicker if I just got off, didn't wait for the connecting train, and just walked past the next station to work. It was a good sort of 15-minute solid walk. Mm -hmm. And I used to do it rain, hail, or shine. Like It would be pouring down, and I'd take a hiking jacket and wear a pair of boots and shorts and then when I'd get to work I'd have um, a dry bag in my backpack and I'd change into my work clothes yeah. and I would just do that and I would deliberately do it because I wanted to be in discomfort so that when we hit the trail and rain mm. comes mm. I don't freak out and, and don't enjoy the hike like I don't want the first time I get rained on to be when I'm hiking. I don't want the first time I get really hot to be when I'm hiking. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. I want to experience these things prior to getting out in the wilderness and then not having that shock of, oh, I'm going to die. Oh, it's raining. We're all going to die. And I'm a little bit cold. Look, I've got goosebumps. I think I'm dying. Yeah. But the, the funny part, that's not the, the funny part of the story. This one guy used to get to work early like I did and <clears throat> I walked in one day and, and I was just putting my stuff down and he just said to me you like making life difficult for yourself don't you <laughs> and I just kind of was speechless and I felt like I'd been caught out like I kind of thought oh no he's he's worked me out and he just said you like making things hard, don't you? And I said, oh, yeah, I kind of do. He goes, yeah, I've, I've watched you for a long time. You, it's pouring with rain. Other people jump on the bus or catch a cab <coughs> or whatever. Or, and he said, you just walk in soaking wet in your jacket. Yeah. And he, and he just... Yeah. In a way, he just kind of tipped, me, tipped his hat to me and said, you know, credit to you. He said, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. But he yeah. said, I see what you're doing, and, and that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, no, uh, there's that, something to be said about that for sure, man. Just setting those, um, at flipping it so that these things that challenge us or that put us in a bad spot, we use them over and over. We we exercise them and we build some strength around them. That you know, that's a amazing thing to develop. And it's um, it was obviously um, I know. I've talked to my father about this a lot. Yeah, I started martial arts when I was nine and a half, as you know, and um, it it is basically if anyone's trained in any kind of martial arts, and I'd even include something that's not technically a martial art, like boxing or whatever. But definitely, the structure of martial arts lends itself to you being very uncomfortable and awkward for a long period of time mm. where it gets the name martial sure is from that almost military mm-hmm. discipline and you have to really uh, it doesn't matter what your opinion is of um military or war or whatever uh the selection process, I've read quite a few books on the uh, selection process of uh, the Navy SEALs in the US in particular. And uh, I think we mentioned before, I think it was in the fitness uh, episode we did, that Jocko Willink is uh, a really good kind of motivational podcast to listen to. Sure, uh, yep. You know, he, he does talk a lot about <coughs> war and military stuff that uh, I kind of would skip those episodes but there's definitely nuggets of when he's talking about human development and and commitment and all that sort of stuff where you see that the 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 scientific uh how would you say it the way they've structured these courses to push these people beyond their limits physically and mentally so they're constantly uncomfortable for so long that when it comes time to uh, actually go into battle, it, nothing's as worse as their training. Nothing is as bad as the training mm-hmm. except that live rounds are coming their way, right, obviously. So, but yes. all the other stuff, like if um, it starts raining and it's cold, they don't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Their it's... mind is on the job. Yep. And that's exactly the thought process that went through my head when I was filming that documentary is my job is to run that camera and get the shots so I need to prepare my body when and there's a photo of me this awesome photo somebody took on their phone I'm standing there in a uh, short sleeve merino top so the you know the blue merino top I got yep just a short sleeve merino top no jacket, um, and, and it's snowing, and I've got my camera, and I'm filming. Yeah, cool. And I remember that exact moment, and I remember thinking, whoa, it's nice and fresh, but I, I was not in any way kind of encumbered by the cold, if that's the right term. Sure. See, I think there's something to be said about the way that um, uh, the military kind of they make you people. uncomfortable for so long that it becomes comfortable. It becomes, yeah, uh, that's one of, I think, Joe Rogan's is, um, 
I think it's one of Joe Rogan's kind of catchphrases is um, be be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right, I think yep. it might be a bit more eloquent than that. But get comfortable <laughs> being uncomfortable, and it's uh, it's it's exactly the opposite of what we're taught. It's exactly the opposite of what we do in every situation in life. It, it's it's the take the stairs or the escalator theory right mm-hmm. there's two types of people have you been to a place i catch the train um i commute to work by a train and so oh, it, it just blows me away there's an there's an escalator there and people are lining up yeah i know i see it all the time to do one flight of stairs yeah and there's the stairs are you know 50 percent empty and they're lining up and getting flustered to stand on this machine that takes them up one flight of stairs. Yep. And when you sit back for one minute and look at that, it's exactly what we're talking about. Yep, that's it. It is. I don't want to be uncomfortable. It's hard work walking up stairs. I will stand on this machine and I'll be escorted up there. Yep. Otherwise, halfway up those stairs, I may feel uncomfortable I in some way. I may feel uncomfortable. I may have to take a couple of deep breaths to get up the last little bit. It's disgraceful. It's absolutely hideous. It it, it makes me yeah. This makes me <laughs> sick. If have you ever seen this? Is going to be the, one of the weirdest uh, um, references I I give on a podcast ever. Yeah. Have you ever seen the animated movie Wally about the little robot? that's left on planet earth everybody leaves planet earth because it's we've destroyed it oh no and this little robot goes around cleaning up because that's what he's programmed to do so he just keeps cleaning up anyway uh long story short he ends up on on the the mothership which is where the humans have been living for generations and generations because uh the earth's destroyed and people are in these floating uh chairs and they're so fat that we can't walk anymore and they just constantly consume. Yeah. And then they have these screens in front of them where they just chat to everyone kind of via these chat rooms. Even if they're sitting right next to somebody, they're just talking through these screens. Yeah, right. And all the food is free and the climate's always perfect. Everything's controlled. And when I see that scene at the train station, it just makes me think of that. And I think, are we that, have we come that far that you don't want to walk up some stairs? Uh, uh, Just uh, makes me feel a bit weird. So, yeah, I, yeah, people call me crazy, but I'm, I'm the one that's, I'm, you know, we're the ones sitting on this at the base of this mountain tonight, right? Um, getting the odd sprinkle of rain on us, and uh, it's quite fresh at the moment, and we're having a great time. Yeah. You, know, yeah. Did, did you imagine how many people right now would, this goes back to your definition of adversity, imagine how many people right now that would absolutely freak out and say, how they just couldn't comprehend that we would actually walk into the wilderness tonight at 
just before midnight mm -hmm. and sit here. I can see with my head torch, spider's eyes lighting up. Yeah. <laughs> there was one just, where was he? I've got my beam on my, there was one just down there before. Yeah, we saw a few. Yeah. Yeah, so I can see spiders kind of creeping around and other sorts of bugs. Mm. <sighs> the other, the other part of adversity sorry another example of it and I know you've experienced this yourself <clears throat> again it, I think it's highly important is is being alone yeah for sure I had worked just like you're working on your threshold with with cold I had to I worked hard on that I, I really worked hard on that you did I felt there was something to gain from that and I, I swear there was so it really paid off I spent so many well I did a lot of remote uh, work where I was in places where there was nobody that I knew but I, I wasn't necessarily alone but I was, I was certainly out of my comfort zone and then and then quite a few um, solo hiking trips where I saw no one and that was next level I just had, it was so foreign at first it was really difficult I remember those. I remember when I, the, the first time I was ever alone was when I did that canoe trip. Yeah. And to put it in perspective, I probably traveled about 40 kilometers up this river. And after, after about a half a day, I was out of uh, phone reception. And I did see two people canoe past me at the start of the first day. Yeah, and then I didn't see anybody seeing no for one three days until I got right back to the launch spot, and I remember there's a video of it. The, I filmed the whole thing at the time. I didn't know why, but I cut a little episode together, and <clears throat> I still look back at that video. It's the end of the second day. Yeah. Well, no, maybe it's the end of the first. No, it's the end of the first day because I'd went the entire 40Ks on the first day. I'm really nervous on camera and I actually kind of talk about it a little bit. And it was this feeling of... Uh, it was the feeling of jumping in that cold shower so quickly. There was no acclimatization at all of yeah. being alone. It was... In the morning, I drove, drove through all this traffic, saw all these people, got my canoe out, waved to a few people, yeah. set my canoe up, off I trotted, paddled up the river, went through, past a couple of people, a few other boats, and then didn't see anyone for about six hours. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I got to my campsite, I hadn't seen anyone at a campsite for six hours paddling. Yeah. So there wasn't, it wasn't even like there was someone at the next campsite if anything went wrong and you can't access it from the other end and you can't get to it by car no. and all of those things together just compounded and made me think very quickly wow i've i've really uh put myself in a situation here that i don't yeah. know if i particularly like it yeah and i remember coming back from that trip and saying to you You've got to do a solo trip, man. It is very scary and freaky, but 
at the same time there's some sense of reward and the fact that you're making all the decisions and holding yourself accountable is something that we don't really do in our business lives. We've always got someone to check with or ask or a superior perhaps. We don't really do it in our family life. We're always discussing you know, decisions with other people, partners, friends, family. And then you get out in the wilderness and you're making decisions based on your own safety mm. without anybody to liaise with. Yeah. We had a conversation tonight about whether we were going to climb this peak or not, right? Yeah. And we had an educated conversation about the pros and cons and checked it out from a few different angles. We decided against it. If you're here by yourself, you, you've got to make all that decision. Yeah. That's hard work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be, be able to be comfortable making decisions like that on your own. And that's, that's the whole thing about... I think we should definitely do a podcast devoted to that. To solo? Solo. Oh, absolutely. Overnight. Oh, totally, man. It's on my list for sure. I think it's something that everyone should know a little bit about and get involved with. And, um, yeah, just sort of you know, test yourself through that. It's a really good way to um, build your resilience to stuff that... Um, that comes up during that, eh? Yeah, I definitely felt that I had grown significantly um, yeah. after that trip. And then I went on another couple. And uh, again, you know, I felt that I kind of grew on that <laughs> one. I'm not sure if I've ever told this story. I, I know I've told you the story. I was... Um, out at that Kilcoy property, mm -hmm. and the so Craig's uncle used to own this this big cattle property, and when I arrived that afternoon, the idea was I'd I'd drive down to this uh, campsite you could get to by vehicle, and then I'd just stay that night, and then the next night I'd uh, I'd hike out over the mountains and stay there for the second night. So I was out for for three days, two nights by myself, but. Uh, one night of that was really remote and so the first night uh, I got to their place and and yeah we, we usually have a cup of tea or whatever and a coffee and then uh, your uncle said to your auntie oh see if there's a um, see if there's a steak in the fridge that Tom can have <laughs> so he comes out with this t-bone kind of like the size of the one that they throw on top of the Flintstones car yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it was literally the size of a plate or a pan. And I said, oh, wow, this is fantastic. I'm going to cook this on the fire tonight. And uh, uh, so I drive out. It was already kind of late. And then I set, I set myself up. And for the first time ever, I just set up this little tarp. Uh, I was kind of testing out <coughs> different ways of setting up a tarp to sleep under. Mm. And I just had my sleeping bag straight under a tarp with the fire in front of me. And then I got the fire going and I, and I uh, threw on this steak. And within about three minutes of that steak hitting the pan and the breeze blowing it up the valley, about a dozen dingoes just started howling. Yeah, I knew. Jeez. <laughs> All 
all through the valley, they were staring each other up, and I just got this chill up my spine. And like, oh, great! The one day I'm sleeping on the ground, <laughs> and um, so I yeah, cooked the steak, ate the steak, and I made sure I burnt all the bone and everything in the hot coals. Like just burnt it to till it disappeared. Yeah, and then I fell asleep that night in front of the fire and it would have been around about midnight or one o'clock in the morning yeah. about maybe 30 meters away all right this howl dingo really? howl so close oh and it just i just sat up with a start i had this chunk of wood next to me because i had kind of planned on yeah um, no, geez. If, if they came too close, at least I'd have something between me and them. And they'd obviously come in closer throughout that couple of hours of me sleeping. And only one howled and the others didn't do anything. But I jumped straight up and uh, chucked a whole bunch of timber on the fire and got it really stoked up and kind of walked around a bit and um, just made sure that they knew I was up and yeah, that I was, you know, two-legged and big and all that sort of stuff and noisy. So didn't hear another peep from them. But that sort of stuff, uh, I mean, I've got to be thankful that we're not, that, that we're not in the US and that there was a grizzly bear or something or yeah, something that could absolutely tear me to pieces. But at the same time, regardless of it just being a pack of dingoes it's still i still feel like that that was a uh, something that i had to deal with mentally and had to kind of keep my calm and not freak out and and mm. all those sorts of things i just had to methodically kind of handle that and i was the only person there to do it mm -hmm. uh, then the next night was incident free but the final day when I was um, coming back, I also heard them bark up on the ridge, kind of parallel to me. Almost got the impression that they were just kind of just flanking me a little bit or they were just in the same valley the whole time I was moving around. So it was just a little bit unnerving, but at the same time, I just, I just had to stay resilient to to those kind of creepy thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no, it's, there's, um, there's heaps of stories that come from, from scary times or freaky adventures. And I just think that this adversity or those things, they make the best stories as well. They make the best stories and they make the best people. I, yeah. I read, I'm not, I'm not, saying that uh, for my sake I'm, I'm just mean I read this uh, this book called Sheer Will uh, I'm actually three quarters of the way through it which is why I didn't mention it in Tom's books because I haven't finished reading it but I'll talk about it next time but it's by a guy called Michael Groom and he's actually from um, Brisbane oh, right. Australia so here's the thing and again it's not really a spoiler uh, but what I didn't realize when I started reading the book was 
because uh, you can see it on the cover. There's a picture of him standing on Mount Everest, right? Yeah. And I was a fight. I was flicking through, and there's some fighters inside. And I think it even mentioned on the sleeve that he'd um, got frostbite and had some fingers and his basically the front third of his foot amputated on both feet. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. He's gone up Everest and he's got frostbite, and then he's had this. And what I later discovered was he tried to climb a mountain about five years before he summited Everest mm. and he got stuck up there and he got frostbite and he lost mm -hmm. several fingers and half of each foot mm. and then Kept he down. climbed Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. That just blew my mind because mm. instinctually I thought you've, uh, you've got the frostbite from Everest and then as I read the book I realised that he had to retrain himself to walk because he kept falling forward and and Jeez. hurting himself and tripping over and he had to deal with all these other sorts of pains and everything. But that did uh, could he have got to the top of Everest if he didn't if he still had feet? I mean, it's yeah. it's arguable <laughs> because you don't know if that's what if that's what he needed to kick himself in the ass and kind of overcome that. Yeah. Because there was certainly plenty of times further on in his mountain climbing career where he almost died a couple of times again. Yeah. Oh man, that mountain climbing. I say that sitting at the bottom of a mountain that we didn't climb, but geez, it freaks me out. Those, uh, those guys that do it in the ice and the snow. And the, this guy, what makes this Michael Groom so amazing is uh, he uh, climbs without oxygen as well. So yeah. I don't know if you know anything about Everest, but 98%, 99% of people climb with oxygen because it does two things. It obviously gives you uh, the oxygen that you need for your body to perform and your muscles to work, but it also increases and improves your uh, uh, blood flow circulation which means you're less susceptible to frostbite yeah which is why he lost uh well not just why because plenty of people with oxygen still get frostbite but it certainly didn't help that he wasn't taking oxygen but he did it man he got to the top of everest without a single mm. bottle of oxygen which is quite incredible yeah it makes for some awesome achievements i just feel like his everyday life Things that we complain about, he <laughs> just be nothing. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> be nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wouldn't care. Nothing would be a problem. Oh, my car won't start. Oh, the battery's flat. Oh, this is the worst day of my life. He'd just laugh and go, "No, no, the worst day of my life was when I got my feet chopped off." Yeah. Because I had frostbite. Let's suck it up. Get a new battery. Catch the train. Yep. Walk to work. Yep. Stop complaining. <laughs> I just feel like uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Once you've, in a sense, got yourself uh, comfortable with the uncomfortable, then your tolerance level's gone up a little notch. And it might only be a tiny bit at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to stay on the topic of climbing, I had a... Um, 
probably most definitely say I had a fear of heights. And mm. uh, there was a, there's a particular uh, little mountain that uh, you and I have been up called the, the Pyramids at Girawing. Yep, yep, sure. And it's, it's nothing special to a climber. They just laugh at me for saying this. But I remember thinking, oh, I'll never go up that. And I went up another mountain there called Castle Rock, but I wouldn't go out to the front face of it too far. And I, wouldn't, I didn't do the summit, which meant you had to do about a 20 meter walk along this kind of flat section, which oh, yeah. had nothing to save you if you tripped over. And I just wouldn't do it. I just thought, that's no, not worth risking it. And then the next morning, uh, one of the guys kind of encouraged me to go up the pyramids and said, look, let's just go up and take it easy and go together. <clears throat> and I got up there and just, yeah, it, yeah, it was a little bit hard um, mentally, but when I got up there, I just realized how uh, I just chipped away I just raised that bar just the tiniest bit then. And the next time that, that we ended up down there after that, I just skipped up there. It's like second nature to me. I, yeah. I mean, I'm still cautious because it'd be stupid not to be. But I definitely have just kind of chipped away at that, that fear of heights. Yeah, right. And, you know, this mountain behind us here, if it was daytime and not raining... <coughs> This would be a solid challenge for our lack of oh, experience. Oh, for sure, yeah. You get to the top of this and get back down safely and you'll say, well, I wasn't very comfortable for 50% of that. Yeah, for sure. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the reward, but mm -hmm. I wasn't happy. No. But next time, things just get easier. Things just get easier. If you don't put yourself out there... You're not going to conquer anything. Yeah. Which is ultimately what we're trying to do out here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is just have the best, most authentic experience that we can, and the most immersive experience. So. And that's what I was just getting at before, is that um, you know we could certainly tell some of our nice stories where we're going for a stroll through the bush and we've. We've had some peaceful times, but my mind always goes back to those times when we've, you know, woken up to that bushfire or yeah. when you were face to face with that red belly that launched at you. Oh, and, I forgot about that. You know, but these, those things, even though they were you know, ruthless moments, but they make great stories. They make good stories. They're also character building. We, yeah, we can build off those for ourselves in next time and you know, further on down the track, things don't freak us out as much. I've <laughs> grown so much around snakes now. I'd <coughs> move, Excuse I me. Never thought I'd be moving pythons off the road like like I can do now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, that that's a really good. Uh, <laughs> Which is probably pretty easy, really. But in the yeah, first and place, it, and the funny thing is that this goes back to my point right at the start: is it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think is easy. There's people that would would laugh about us um, being, you know, concerned about yeah. this mountain. Oh, and this mountain us. too. Yeah. There'd be people that would laugh that would think that you wouldn't just walk straight up to a python and just pick it up and start petting it and take it away. 
that's fine but you've obviously had some exposure or some kind of training right to get to that yeah yeah you didn't just wake up one day and be comfortable around snakes yeah you gotta start somewhere you didn't just wake up and climb a mountain and go oh, that was the easiest thing in the world mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen like that it you're just building up a tolerance are we gonna get rained on <clears throat> a little bit oh, we got a little bit of tree cover above us there's a lot of cloud up there. Okay. We'll see how we go. Uh, we we have we're sitting on a little <coughs> fly, like a tarp. Nothing too valuable. And out. If, <coughs> yeah. What have I got out? I think my camera is sitting out here. Um, oh no, my camera's in my pack. We just need to be mindful of that, though, guys. So if we're doing a bit of. Uh, rearranging it's just because you know we wouldn't want to get rained on would we because that would feel terrible I wouldn't, <laughs> i'd feel uncomfortable I look at us a, we're not like, freaking out are we man might get a little bit cold we better not be <laughs> i want to get back to the car now <laughs> don't want to get rain on me <laughs> no we're talking about how cool this could be man to be um comfortable with this sort of stuff and and I've, yeah, I think we've we've grown a lot on that. And th- there's this adversity on the trail thing, and you know we're still working on that and you know, developing our our feelings, our skills, and our. I, th- I think it's good that we're talking about our, our psychology out here and our, you know, what makes us come out here and why we why we engage in in outdoor adventures. I think it's great to talk about that. But you know we've got an adversity in everyone's got adversity in their life. And so this does lend to to everyone to sort of, you know, challenge themselves in their daily life, face their fears, you know, just um, come to terms with their limitations and I'm sure everyone's got their story. Right, and I think focusing on uh, something you're not good at and just chipping away at it, like don't keep shying away from... uh, Hmm. It doesn't matter if it's a work thing or whatever. Like I'm, I'm pretty big on picking something at work that I'm not good at, and and being really conscious of that, and trying to work twice as hard to make that weakness almost into a strength. Like mm. my job, for example, is 100% about organisation, and until you know, 10 years ago, I was the most unorganized person on the planet, and I knew it, I identified it, and I was, um, I was terrible, but I realized that if I wanted to get anywhere, and not just in business, but in, in just anywhere in life, being organized and punctual and, and functioning like that is, you know, it's hugely helpful for our hiking like planning our hikes and and uh yeah getting everything ready and packing and everything like it's it's helped me immensely to kind of uh take one skill from one aspect of my life and just just slot it into another yeah that's true and we've all been well i know i've been guilty of it but we've all hiked with someone before that uh you, you just it, their stuff's just a mess and you think geez how are you ever gonna <laughs> find anything and he just kind of shoveled everything in that pack or when they get to camp they just throw it all over the ground <laughs> and 
the next day uh, you're kind of there for 45 minutes waiting for them to 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 get their stuff together and you think wow that's um that looks like me kind of six years ago when I was hiking <laughs> that's that's how we all start yeah we all do you, you, you don't know everyone's you don't know different. what you don't know right right and so yeah. whatever you're chipping away at everyone else has got a different level at it I think we said that at the start and I think that's mm. very true and you know even just between you and me when we we're out on the trail there's some inclines that uh, these days I'll be I'll be hurting and, and you don't even flinch so I guess, yeah, you just got to pick, pick your own pace on the on yeah. the trail, and that was a significant turnaround, though. Like, like, yeah, you you. Know, I, I identified it as a weakness because I used to watch you hiking ahead of me, and I'd just be, I just couldn't move my legs, and I just thought, I always, I didn't so know that's what to think. I that's thought when that, I was running long distances. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Back then. So. So now these days I haven't been able to, and I'm. Um, yeah, I, I just st- remember that definitive. Uh, it was I was we did that training hike, uh, leading up to my Tassie trip, my first Tassie trip. We did that Cobble Creek. I remember how much fitter you were then. And I just that was when I was doing. Um, I was doing this kind of boot camp thing, two two yeah. days a week, two lunch hours a week, plus a bunch of other stuff, and. Uh, that's kind of what I'm continuing to do now is that high intensity interval training and I'm doing a lot of leg stuff uh, but I'm just kind of adding the running for fun now but yeah I remember that was a definitive point for me to to be on that hike and think oh well for once mm-hmm. I'm actually at Craig's level and and to feel like again it, it just it comes back to the enjoyment now the enjoyment that I feel when I'm hiking uh, is extremely heightened because I'm not there nearly throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> because because I've picked that and I've chipped away at it. Yep. And as you said before um, about walking up the flight of stairs, I it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable for a long time. And I don't... Oh, I still can't say whether I enjoy doing like sixty squats or something with hmm. with. I still don't know if I enjoy it. I enjoy the thought of the benefits that I will get from it. I enjoy getting to a point in the workout where I think I'm done, and then. I do this trick where I just say, right, you're done, in my head, okay, you're done, do 10 more, and I'll force myself to do do more before I'll end the session, and I, I don't think I enjoy it, but I enjoy everything about it, and as I said, now when I'm hiking and I'm fitter and stronger, that's fantastic. Uh, I don't enjoy not being able to walk for three days afterwards either. <laughs> yeah, look, I assume most of the people listening to this at this point in this podcast are people who enjoy getting out and hiking and, and doing all that. And I think they will all get something out of, you know, putting themselves into a bit of, you know, through a bit of pain to 
to get so they can enjoy their outdoor time more because they're, they're comfortable with it and it's you can chip away at elements of that and get it right i still don't understand why you want to get into cold showers <laughs> but but you know what you know what i'm actually i might do it i'm going to do it for a couple of weeks yeah there's there's something that uh i don't think i got to mention but no it definitely didn't you, you feel electric for about um an hour afterwards like actually just tingling your skin and you just feel really explosive i feel in like, a good way yeah i feel okay. powerful when i get out of the shower all right i feel powerful like i feel like that's when i should go and train or that's when i should go to run yeah i think but, it's it sounds that's like when i go to work and it sounds like it's a mental thing though yeah no i think yeah it definitely is but there's this aspect where that physically the, the cold skin okay. like i'll give my kids a hug before i go to work and they go oh dad you're freezing yeah right. and i don't feel freezing i don't feel cold my i touch my skin i go actually you're right I'm, my skin is physically cold but i am not cold i feel amazing and yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's a physiological thing as much as it's a mental thing here we are talking about it again i'm not quite sure where it fits into things yet that's why i'm going to do it so a couple of weeks of doing that and you don't have any warm showers during that time just all... uh, the only time i had a, a warm shower was um the two times i've had the warm shower was just to wash my hair not that i've only washed my hair two times in five yeah. weeks uh but the first two times i thought oh i'll have a hot shower to wash it wash my hair and then i thought well hang on a second i don't think you actually need hot water to use soap so uh i just do it cold now i just do it i just wash my okay. hand in a cold shower so i don't even bother with that anymore well give it a go yeah and i mean i came from when i lived in japan hot 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 baths were one of my favorite things they still i would have to say they're one of my favorite things uh not not for the comfort almost for that euphoric euphoric kind of after feeling again it's it's the opposite it's very similar in that and, and i guess i touched on this earlier when i said you can do heat training mm. and get similar effects when i get in the bath uh, i think the the hottest that i've been in was 55 degrees celsius i think from memory it might have been 65 it was hot it, it took about 15 minutes to get in so you'd, you'd put your feet in for 30 seconds and you'd pull them out and then you'd put them in again and then you'd get to your knees and you'd pull it out and it'd take you 10 to 15 minutes to get in mm. and then but for an hour and a half afterwards you felt so good amazing mm, yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of what i'm getting out of the cold showers like saunas and yeah yeah i guess so yeah okay there's something that lasts with you that you take away from it and you've conquered something that day you know that um going back to jocko willink one of the most common questions he gets asked is uh because in military we all know the old story where they have to get up in the morning and make their beds and if they're not perfect they get in so much trouble and mm -hmm. um, they'll get the bed chucked on the ground and they'll have to do it again it's, it's all part of discipline and respect and everything but one of the biggest questions he gets is uh what um do you still make your bed every morning 
And his and his reply is always, "Yes, I do." Like he's retired; he's not in the military. And they, and they mm. kind of laugh, and and he and his his response is always the same. He says, "It's not about making the bed. If you don't understand that, you're missing the point. It's not about making the bed. It's about the first act of every day being a disciplinary act." Yeah. Right. So you get up, you turn around, you make the bed, and then you move on. Mm-hmm. From there, he goes straight into his um, home gym and he does a workout. And every morning, if you follow his Instagram, he'll have a photo of his um, watch, and it says four a.m. or something. Right. <laughs> every single morning, he posts a photo of his watch. And there's all sweat on the ground, like after his workout and the kettlebell or whatever. But the point is, it's not about making the bed. Do you, do you kind of get what I mean? Yeah, or I do. get what he means? It, it kind of folds back into your comment before about having that win, conquering the cold shower. Is not just about having a cold shower. It's it's about another three or four things i think yeah 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 bit bit of control getting control over those what what do you think i wanted to ask you this what do you think that and and you did touch on two of them and i i certainly agree with you on that what do you think the greatest adversity has been that in your opinion that we've faced on any adventure, on trail, or just wherever, just any adventure together. Oh. Doesn't even have to be together, a- anything no, no. on the trail, but normally we do oh, t- stupid things together and that's why we have stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, two things just came to mind. And one of them was a little thing, but it was a big thing. Remember we were um, doing that that hike through Lamington early on, I can't remember when, and we had to come up from down the streams and it was this massive incline it must have gone for an hour and a half do you remember and we were yeah i think it was from where we we looked over and we saw the coomera gorge the coomera yes and is then we what hiked up from there is that where i was we, stopping about every 30 we, meters just to oh and i was just completely it's, beaten it's probably it is still it's still a serious climb but it's probably nothing for us now it, it definitely can, wouldn't be as nowhere near as... But I remember that one. And I remember going, oh, we didn't enjoy that because we, we wanted to get back in time. And, oh, I was and it, struggling. It, I do. I forgot about that. It seemed hard, really hard. And then I, I remember, like, years later now, and we did that hike through Lamington towards the Stinson wreck. That was full on. And we just had to really work hard to keep the pace up because oh. it was so much further than we thought it was so much further and we weren't because it was raining <clears throat> definitely on the downhills we were kind of slipping i mean we both took a tumble a couple of times yeah we were slipping the falls on the leeches and just the the pounding in the legs and i i look back at those times and think wow they were that that they're memorable moments because of of how tough they were i think yeah they're that that was if you look at one entire hike that we've done together 
that to me stands out as the most brutal physically and mentally that, that yeah. was, to me that was the most brutal yeah and that's why i just thought of it and then i also thought of that one early on which is much easier but at that stage at that stage of our it was hiking hard. experience it was hard i remember just i just almost couldn't go on and you know you were just really great in encouraging me and just saying we'll just yeah, because I, th I think we were also like you were nowhere near as bad as me. I, I was dying on the inside. You were dying, but I think we were also thinking, "Have we gone the wrong way?" <sighs> I can't remember exactly. So long ago, but yeah, that, so that's another. But it was mentally we weren't tough mentally enough. Mentally, we were not. We were not there. And it was really yeah. We awful couldn't time. have done that Stenson hike. Just to put it in perspective for the listeners, it was three days through. Uh, not a proper trail, just a very thin, sometimes it, it, you just lose the trail, but you'd see these little pink ribbons further down and these thorns were tearing at you. And uh, as Craig said, he, I think he had, what, do you have 70 or 80 leeches on your yeah. neck and body? Um, that's all I, We've laughed about that before. For sure, man. It was uh, insane. Um, and... But do you also remember, I remember on the last, the second last day, it, it was the long day, we still realised we had two whole ridges to clear and we had mm. about two hours to do it and we were already destroyed. That was the one, yeah. And I remember there was a point where I was getting wetter inside my rain jacket than because of sweating and working up a sweat. Yeah. And I just decided to just ditch the rain jacket and just walk in the rain and we got to camp and it was pitch black and I remember actually being quite cold I remember being maybe I'd say the coldest I've ever been on the trail and I was completely wet like the, the entire yeah. top was wet yeah uh, and I remember you you kind of said oh we better get like first thing we need to do is get our uh, core temperature back up and I remember standing there with my gear and I thought no I can beat this I can beat this if I just concentrate and I remember just letting myself just continue to get rained on cue the rain perfect and <laughs> and just putting up with it for another 20 minutes while I put my tarp up Speaking yep. of which, hey guys, um, we're just going to pause for a second. We've got to chuck a tarp over us because we would not dare get wet. Uh, <laughs> it's more about all of the recording equipment. I'm going to chuck a tarp up and uh, we'll be right back. Give us a minute. Okay, we uh, have mm. the tarp over us. <laughs> goes against everything we've been talking about for two hours <laughs> but uh we freaked out yeah, we freaked out we're, we're gonna delete this whole podcast and not use it because we realized that um yeah we're not half the men we've been making out we are <laughs> uh, no, i'm just checking my gear it's definitely over everything isn't it yeah 
Yeah, some one of us forgot a tarp, so we're just both under the <laughs> we're both under my tarp at the moment. I thought you were joking. It might rain. Yeah, we got kind of get interrupted uh, talking about rain. Um, just just to quickly cap off that story before, I remember I thought, well, I'm already wet on that hike and I'll just push on for another 20 minutes and set up my tarp and uh, get my hammock set up underneath and then then I'll get changed into my dry clothes out of my dry bag and then I'll get straight into bed and uh, again it was just it was just letting myself be cold for another 20-30 minutes just so I guess <laughs> it sounds funny but I wanted to be the one that decided when I was ready to to stop being cold, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Just because uh, we arrived at the camp didn't mean that uh, I all of a sudden had to give in. I, I just wanted to have that. It's kind of like, say you went and did a 10k run and then and then uh, and then had to run another 100 meters. Mm. If you just kind of want to know you've got more in the tank. Yeah. If you yeah. need it. Yeah. Yeah. Push yourself to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a couple of books I read um, quite some years ago, and they're they're two different angles on a on a similar kind of uh, vein. One's called Surviving the Extremes. Uh, what happens to the body and mind at the limits of human endurance? It's by a guy called Kenneth Kemmler. That book is written by a doctor, and he's an expedition doctor. So he goes on, and that's why it also makes it such a cool book. Is he goes on these crazy expeditions, like spends three months in the Amazon jungle looking after these uh, biologists and making sure they don't get sick and all this sort of stuff. And he has the most remarkable stories. Oh, just incredible stories. And then incredible kind of gory details of, of terrible things that, that happened along the way to people he had to tend to. But what makes this book so unbelievably interesting is because it's written by a doctor he goes ahead and he pulls apart every incident and from a scientific uh, approach he then explains why what the body is doing during that exact time and he will talk through events He'll explain, well, the first thing you're going to feel is shock, and then the next thing that's going to happen is this is going to happen. And he'll talk through these things. And for me, I felt like for any, what, anybody out, anybody that gets outdoors and does stuff, I think it's important to know what your limits are from a physical and mental perspective, but also it's really cool for me to read that book and understand what the actual human body is trying to deal with when you're approaching hypothermia. Mm. 
when you're approaching uh, dehydration, when you're approaching, um, I can't think of any other examples, but you know what I mean, like all of these significant, or when you're approaching frostbite, all these sorts mm-hmm. of things, he's explaining what is happening to the human body, which in my opinion, gives you knowledge to not only look out for those things, but to kind of know how to push through those things. He'll also take some quite big uh, survival stories and he'll dissect exactly why that person survived and 1,000 other people would not have survived that. Uh, this guy that was spent, um, um, oh, it's been a while since I've read the book, but he spent a couple of days in the desert without any water and, and nobody believed him at first, but he, even he ended up in this tiny shack and, and he uh, grabbed this um, bat and he just mm. kind of bit it and just drank all the blood out of it and it's just all this incredible stuff that he basically says he explains how the how that would have assisted this guy and he also explains that this guy did so much endurance training in the heat that when he got lost in this desert race uh, his body um, his body was acclimatized his body didn't freak out like a normal person's body would Mm-hmm. And for that reason, that guy is still alive. And as I said before, like other people, have, any other normal person would have died. So he really goes into um, so much unbelievable detail. It's a fascinating book. He, uh, just, I just uh, will read out some of the, um, the chapters. So uh, he has a jungle chapter, which he said the most competitive arena on earth. High seas, the moving wilderness, desert, the marathon of sands, mm-hmm. uh, underwater, the pull of the deep. So he goes through and explains all of the physiological things that happen when you get the bends, why you get, right. um, yep. what do they call it, narked or whatever, when people uh, don't know which way is up and down, you get this kind of drug effect. Oh, really? Uh, when you get to a certain depth. Some people get it, some people don't. It's, it's unpredictable and very, very dangerous because you'll start swimming in the wrong yep. direction. Yep. Uh, high altitude uh, in the kingdom of the gods, so he, he touches a lot on uh, Everest climbers. Mm. Outer space, he explains that as well. You know something really interesting about outer space is it took them years and years and years to develop a machine that would actually put... Uh, weight so make your hips <clears throat> make your hip bone uh, bear a load so they made up all these other machines that could keep all your bones dense and strong but they could never work out how to uh, people were coming back astronauts were coming back after three months in space and they would break their hips because they'd they would uh, get so thin uh, and porous. Oh, they can't exercise. They can't exercise the, like the hips, the arms and legs were keeping nice dense bone matter. Oh, but really? their hips were, yeah, really interesting. And they finally worked out a machine that could load bear your body enough to, um, to, because to, you, when you're in any gravity, you're not load bearing anything. Mm. So your body, this is another thing about the human body. If you don't 
use it, you lose it. Yeah. And if you don't use your muscles, they dissipate. And if you don't put weight on your uh, bones, you get all these people with, uh, is it osteoporosis? When you have, um, yeah. your bone density goes down and, and it's usually for lack of use. Yeah. I think it's... So that's that. And the only other book I wanted to mention was, um, it's called Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies and Why. And it's by Lawrence Gonzalez. This book was gifted to me from one of the uh, hikers um, from the, the documentary, to, so one of the hikers I accompanied. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. Again, it was a fantastic book. Now, it sounds like a very similar book to the book I just mentioned, and it is, in that it's about uh, how the human body survives, but this one is all about the psychological element mm -hmm. and how we deal with adversity, how one person mm. freaks out mm -hmm. and just shuts down and almost wills themselves to death. And the, whereas the next person, uh, you know, concentrates on an image of their family and getting back to them and oh, right. never gives up and kind of pushes through that. So it's a real, it really kind of heavily goes into that psychological realm. I'm um, just having a look on the, I did take a quick screenshot of the chapters just to, oh yeah, one of the most interesting things I learned out of that book was um, when uh, children up to about the age of five can only draw a mind map of what they can actually see. So if, they can, if they're in the forest and they can only see 20 meters, that's their entire world. And for that reason, they found that uh, kids up to five years old that get lost in the wilderness actually have, within the first day or two, they actually have a better chance of survival than an adult. And here's the theory behind it. A, a child doesn't have all these, um, uh, all the extra emotions and everything that we, and all the extra knowledge that we have as an adult, and they can't draw a map beyond what they can see. So a child gets lost, the first thing they do is usually they just stay put and that becomes their world. If they're thirsty, they'll drink from the puddle or the stream. Mm. If they're hungry, they'll try and eat something. If they're tired, they'll curl up under a log and try and sleep. It also makes them easy to find because they don't move around. Now the, the flip side of that is, and here's the danger of when people get lost is adults are able to manufacture mm. images in their head of what they think might be around the corner mm. where they think they are in relation to a map and w what they think the surroundings mm. are telling them and they'll fabricate that like they'll eat they'll miss trails and they'll fabricate in their head oh no that's because 
that's actually the ridge there that I've got to get to. Whereas a child can't do that and it's almost like protects them from the stupidity of uh, just plowing on right. for hours and hours and days and then getting yourself so unbelievably lost. They also don't have the egotistical problem where they, oh, I don't want to tell anyone I got lost, so I'm just going to keep going because I think I'm on the right trail. Or turning around and going back. Like one example, the story that they gave was this guy who was um, pretty sure that he'd taken a wrong turn. And, and there's a definitive point where he thought, I could just turn around right now and go back to the truck because I know my way. But he didn't, and he kept going because he didn't want his mates to um, <laughs> to hassle him about um, yeah, yeah. later on when they finished the hike and then he drove around to pick him up. They would have hassled him about mm -hmm. getting lost and, you know, <laughs> sure. or, sook or whatever. And because of that, he almost died. He's lucky he did survive, but he ended up being days and days away from that trail in the middle of nowhere, and it's made it extremely difficult for him to get found. Uh, yeah, I just want to mention those two books because I found those extremely uh, useful in kind of just delving a bit more into that uh, adversity thing that we're touching on today. Yeah, nice. Turns into a bit of a book club today. It tonight. did, didn't it? I think that, yeah, because I think there's there's a limit to the um, the magnitude of our amazing stories like we don't, I've, <laughs> I've, I've never climbed Everest and well that's I've what I was been to the Amazon jungle same before sort of stuff, yeah. is that luckily you and I have never had anything serious there's people that have you know survived shark attacks and mm. been to hell and back and so you know we've so far been very lucky and um we're we surviving this rain under this tarp right now we'll be telling people it's about a critical situation <laughs> right now um but we can't speak from that place no not from that not i mean we've, we've fabricated uh, uh survival situations uh when i say fabricated within a controlled environment we've gone out into the wilderness for four days with um two granola bars each and uh that was about it some tea and coffee yeah <laughs> and that was uh, was absolutely horrific on so many levels. Our, both of our bodies went into shock at some point within that four days yeah, at different sure. times. And uh, I go back to what I said earlier, that I want to know what it feels like to be cold before I'm on the trail and it, yeah. it's critical to my life. I, I want to know what it feels like to be hungry and... I, I mean, I went through such a, a transformation over that time where uh, my hands were shaking and I, my motor skills were mm. definitely uh, hampered by not having that intake of calories uh, and concentration, things like headaches. Yep. So many things affected me. Mm -hmm. uh, my temper, just everything was affected and I thought, well, isn't it good to know those things before we accidentally find ourselves in a survival situation. Yeah, that's exactly why we did that, and um, it proved to be quite, quite a, a you know eye-opening experience for me too, man. And yeah, it was it, it is it is cool to sort of test your test your limits on 
on survival and um, just so that when it you know when you have to you don't get freaked out you don't panic as much yeah I mean you, you don't want to like let's hope it never happens right let's hope it never happens to us but uh, it, it doesn't also doesn't have to be to that level as well like if um, for some reason I don't know I'm just just making up a story here you, you forgot to take uh, the whole bag of snacks on your three-day hike and when you got to your first kind of uh, you know, mid-morning kind of morning tea point, you open your pack and went, oh no, I forgot to pack that entire bag of snacks. So mm -hmm. now the only calories I have are the main meals, the dinner each night. Well, you're not in a life and death situation, but you're sure as heck going to be uncomfortable and you're going to be, you're going to be um, low on your caloric intake as well. So you're going to start getting some side effects from not having the energy that you're used to on a hike. But knowing what to expect and what's coming next and mm. knowing what it feels like to be hungry and knowing that mm -hmm. that hungry feeling doesn't mean that you're going to die within mm -hmm. six minutes is, mm -hmm. is kind of important right yep because it all adds to that uh cohesive kind of team environment mm -hmm. where you can kind of talk it out amongst yourselves and saying here's what i'm feeling and i know why don't worry about it i'll be fine <laughs> or if uh, or if you're by yourself and something like that happens, you kind of know how to uh, traverse all of those those kind of feelings and emotions and everything and how to deal with them and in what order. I just think it's valuable to, it's just valuable to get that rain on your face and know what it feels like. Amen. Well, I think I'm going to leave it there, mate, if, uh, unless you've got anything else to say. No, buddy, it was good talking about this. Um, I think in all of our <clears throat> lives through through work and health and parenting, there's ups and downs and, you know, you need to know what it's like to have some adversity and, and how it can actually build strength, I reckon. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I guess my advice to anybody, uh, it doesn't matter if you're just starting out into the adventure world in the outdoors or if you've uh, or if you're a seasoned professional I think that we all need to find some little boundaries and then just push them out a tiny bit mm -hmm. do it safely do it incrementally uh, but continue to do it and then continue to grow as a uh, as a person also I, th I think that's the fantastic reward that mother nature gives back to you without even uh without even asking for it is uh she just kind of says well done now you're a stronger person for having <laughs> dealt with what i've what i've thrown on you for the last four days that's it yeah it's a it's a leveler it's a leveler it doesn't matter if you're a wealthy uh a banker or if you're a carpenter or what I find with the trail and with the outdoors is it levels everybody you're on the same playing field and everyone has the same toolkit apart from gear of course everyone's got the same physical body to deal with that adversity and, uh, <clears throat> and it's up to us to continue to develop mm -hmm. on that note 
everybody uh, really appreciate your continued support. We got to double digits, we got to number 10. Yeah. I don't honestly know what the rest of the year is going to bring. It's getting uh, very close to that crazy festive time for us and probably a lot of you around the world. Uh, I think, Craig, we might still have time for another podcast before the end of the year, but it is getting extremely tight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either way, look, don't fret. We will talk to you in the very near future, um, regardless of that. So thanks again, guys. Uh, have a fantastic uh, rest of your day with whatever you're doing, and make sure you get outdoors. Take it easy. See you guys. Bye. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.